Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast, a show where we bring you insights from media industry experts to help journalists do their jobs better. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Today, we're going to learn about how to set healthy boundaries between our personal and professional lives. This week, we had Mental Health Day, a chance to reflect on how our work as journalists impacts our minds and our ability to work. Joining me is John Crowley and Hannah Storm, two veteran journalists, each with two decades of industry experience, and the founders of Headlines Network, an organisation set up to advance conversations about mental health in journalism. John and Hannah just published a brand new resource all about burnout, which describes feelings of exhaustion and overwhelm in the workplace. Stay tuned for tips on separating our work from our home lives in order to stay at the top of our game. That's all coming up, so don't go anywhere. John, Hannah, a huge pleasure to have you on the Journalism.co.uk podcast. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. And um, huge congratulations as well on the publication of this brilliant set of resources that you've produced around burnout in journalism, you know, setting boundaries. That's going to be a lot of the theme for, for today. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Super. Um, as I said, today we're going to talk a lot about burnout and, and boundaries. And I think what the resource does very well as it helps to give us a few analogies on how we think about this this concept this phenomenon um and so i'd like to come to you each to start with i'll start with you hannah when we talk about burnout what's the analogy that you think of that helps you come to terms with what this means to you so i think it's really important to say that burnout means different things for different people but for me and it's the analogy i used in the resource it feels like a piece of rope and that you know the tug of war analogy where people are pulling So it's almost like you're the rope and people are pulling from each side and they're pulling and pulling and pulling. And you as the rope are becoming increasingly frayed. And I think it's just that fraying and fraying and fraying because so many people want so much of you. And it's so important that you recognise that you need to kind of take that moment to say no. Yeah. Being in the middle of a tug of war. Yeah. What about you, John? So I would lean on um, Andrew Berry, who is head of workplace well-being at the mental health charity Mind, and who has actually published uh, this uh, resource that we've that we've done at Headlines Network, co-published uh, with him. He describes it burnout as a term used to describe a collection of experiences caused by long-term unmanageable stress at work, and I think it's important to look at the definition because to some people it's not actually recognized as a a medical condition and it was only in 2019 we say this in the report Hannah and I that the World Health Organization actually recognized kind of burnout as a workplace issue that needs addressing which is quite amazing really when you think about it because burnout as a term has been around for decades but the fact that um, health organisations, international bodies are just coming round to this in the last few years is a sign that we really need to grasp the nettle on this now and and deal with it, and particularly in the world of journalism too. Mm. 100%. And I think, you know, it's it's very important to recognise burnout does mean different things to different people. But I think generally speaking, we associate this with feelings of being exhausted, overwhelmed, unmotivated. That's about right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we that was the phrase we heard so so much from, you know, we're, we're really grateful to everybody who's kind of helped support on this. All the all the resources we do at Headlines Network are 
you know, like it's a collective effort. It's a collaboration of journalism and media experts and mental health experts as well. And, and you know, one of the terms that came up time and time again with, from folks who we asked, you know, how it kind of manifests itself was a sense of overwhelm, a sense of exhaustion, the sense of kind of a lack of motivation. We, we feel burnt out. We feel like that match that just there's nothing left to give. We have nothing left to give. And, and even the smallest things, and I'm not trying to minimise anything at all, but smallest things seem to take a huge effort. I just want to pick up on one thing that, that John mentioned there, this whole idea of the workplace and occupational phenomenon. That means that there is a duty of care that organisations have to support their employees and their staff. But I think it also, something we don't necessarily recognise as much is that since COVID, we've seen such a blurring of our personal and professional lives that actually it's not just the stuff that's going on in our workplace that is adding to that burnout. It's all of the stuff that's around us that is kind of making us feel overwhelmed, exhausted, knackered, basically. So, so John, it's not just the case of our workloads being really unmanageable. It's that blurring of the lines between our personal and our professional lives when they start to really bleed into each other. Absolutely. And the, the chief uh, villain of this piece, I guess, is, is our, our mobile phones, uh, which is a kind of a pleasure device where you, you get lovely messages most of the time, hopefully from family members and friends. And then you might get kind of an intrusive uh, news editor, you know, demanding you um, turn around a piece of copy, you know, after work uh, of an evening on a weekend. And, you know, sometimes we'll see emails or notifications pop up. So, you know, what Hannah and I said, and, and we practice this ourselves, Hannah's, you know, brilliant on, on boundaries. We, you know, there's times when we might need to get hold of each other outside normal work hours. But as a rule, we, we you know, when it comes to close of play at the end of the day, we, we leave each other um, alone. I should say, actually, as well, just at the start, I, I called out Drew Berry. That's really important with both this resource document and with the videos that we leaned on the expertise of a bunch of uh, really talented uh, journalists. So just to call them out, Phil Chetwind at AFP, uh, Kari Cobham, Jonathan Levy at uh, Sky News and James Scurry at Sky News and Andrew T. Shah as well. You know, they really came with um, personal experiences that they wanted to share, but also um, experiences as, as leaders as well in terms of how they've had to change their view on how their newsrooms work as, as society and the world has changed as our attitudes have changed to mental health and burnout as well. Yeah. I think there's a lot of important points there to pick up on. But, you know, I just want to play with that idea of personal and professional bleeding into each other for a second. You know, so, for instance, could that be if we are sat at our news desks and worried about maybe our personal finances or maybe we're a parent working from home, we're trying to get on with our work and there's, you know, kids demanding things from us. It's it's those kind of dimensions, right? Those dynamics. I think it is. I think we all have our different kind of identities and experiences and histories and perspectives, right? But I think that it's so hard to now delineate between kind of that professional and personal life. And that's where the boundaries come in. And, you know, we do a lot of work at Headlines Network around supporting folks to, you know, we're not clinicians, we're journalists by trade, we're mental health first aiders ourselves, we, we work very closely with clinicians, but this idea of kind of like, recognising what we can control, and for us, kind of boundaries are the limits we create 
to protect ourselves, right? Sometimes it's hard, though, if you've got a kid, as you say, kind of begging for a snack and you're trying to have a meeting or you've got something going on at work or you've got this kind of constant worry. Maybe maybe you're a freelancer, you know, or maybe your job is insecure. It's like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen next? It's hard to say, oh, just focus on what you can control because yeah, you can't, right? But if, I think that for us, it's that sense of COVID has brought many more unknowns, many more uncertainties. Plus, you know, we're speaking from the UK at the moment, obviously, and, and the cost of living crisis here is is really kind of bringing a significant burden. And then there's other folks who are more marginalised, I guess, historically by our media in- industry who suffer even more of that. And we've seen, um, I've just finished writing a book on journalism and mental health, and one of the chapters is on burnout. I talk about the fact that it's those folks who are most impacted by burnout and it's those folks who are leaving the industry and it's those folks who we actually need managers and news leaders to be aware of because if we lose the diversity of our workforce then we're starting to do a disservice to our audiences as well yeah there's there's loads of really helpful anecdotes in the in the videos and the resources and there's one that really stood out to me john just picking up on what you said about small tensions like escalating a little bit Jonathan Levy talked about how he used to find driving to work really stressful. And one of the best things he did was to sell his car, take the commute into work, and then use that as a moment to unwind, de-stress, read a book, watch some rubbish TV. And I just thought that was a really good example to maybe pick up on. It was brilliant. Uh, Jonathan was so disarming when we went in to speak to him uh, at Sky News. And, you know, this is the leader of a newsroom giving up his time, but just him you know, talking about, um, you know, his own personal experiences, how he dealt with that, I think, in terms of modelling good leadership was was really uh, nice to hear. And that notion of, yes, yeah, setting those buffers on either side was, was really interesting. You know, we all hate being stuck in traffic and actually just allowing your, your mind to kind of float uh, away like that if you're, you know, on, on public transport um, is good. And what, what we kind of forgot during the pandemic was, everything felt the same when we were working at home. I have this little rule myself where, you know, if I can in the morning, particularly when I've been working freelance, I will go on a commute, which is a circular walk um, that takes me from outside my house back to my house. And I'll try and do that at the end of the day because it's a good way to, you know, to bookend your your working day just to signal that, you know, you're downing tools or picking up tools at, um, at any particular point. I also think in terms of burnout pertaining to journalism is is quite specific as well, because it is a high pressure industry and we're not saying it shouldn't be. You know, that's why we're attracted to to journalism in so many ways, because it's fast paced and dynamic. But that can take its toll and being that need to be on top of everything all of the time, you know, makes it harder. You know, I was talking about my phone to leave to put that um, device down. And one other thing about journalism burnout is is interesting is that as as journalists we're always told to kind of subsume our feelings and not be the story. And I think that comes to burnout as well. So when you're putting your hand up and saying you're knackered, you know, or you're tired or you're stressed out, sometimes that can be interpreted as tantamount to not being a good journalist. So we squash those kind of feelings away. And you know what Hannah and I are trying to say here is that you know, let's have a conversation about this. Let's, you know, look at ways how you can personally mitigate it. But also, as Hannah was saying there, there's a responsibility now on newsrooms, a duty of care that they need to protect 
um, their staff, their most precious resource, their journalists when it comes to well-being and mental health too. Mm. Hannah, what's the effect of, as John says there, when you suppress burnout and don't, you know, take the lid off the jar and start to unwind? Yeah, I think I just want to pick up on one point that John just made there. So Drew Berry, who he's referenced already from Mind, calls um, the things that kind of break up our, differentiate between our personal lives and our professional lives, he calls them ceremonies. And so it's this, and I think that's a really kind of, it's great, right? It's a, it's a great little analogy or a great little phrase to use in terms of there's, we have a ceremony that marks the end of our working day. We have a ceremony that marks the beginning of our kind of beginning of our working day. Um, you know, for Jonathan, it's, you know, ditching the car and, and you know, going back on the tube. And again, COVID kind of took a lot of that away from us. For me, I call it a bridge because it's a bridge between my personal life and my professional life. John goes for a commute. I go for, for a kind of commute as well um, in the morning, even though I still work from home. Um, so, so just in terms of the impact of the, you know, of suppressing that stuff, what happens is we start becoming less effective in our work. We start becoming kind of, um, you know, we're more overwhelmed, as we said, we're less productive, we're less efficient. We, things start becoming just really kind of difficult. It's it's hard for us to prioritise. What I would say is that, you know, and Phil Chetwin puts this really well. Um, I can't remember the exact phrase he uses, but basically the rise of social media and the last kind of 10 years or so has led to this almost limitless potential for breaking news, right? So it's everywhere. We cannot disconnect. So we have to make intentional choices now about what we want to cover and what we don't cover. And that means that actually we need to start thinking much more about workflows and processes and how we delegate and if we delay and if we distribute and all of that kind of stuff. So we can't be effective, number one. We need to think again about strategically how we're doing our work. Number two, if we're a manager, and this was really important to kind of, I think John and I as in, you know, we've both been in the industry for knocking on 25 years each. Um, it's managers, if they are burnt out, I use the analogy of the piece of moldy fruit or the moldy satsuma in the fruit bowl. So you've got a fruit bowl, you've got a satsuma, it goes moldy, it impacts the other people around, the other fruit around rather. If you've got a manager who's not aware of their mental health, who's not able to take stock, set boundaries, do the things that we need to do to stay well and healthy, they're going to start affecting those around them. So that management kind of, you know, we all know about toxic behaviours in newsrooms, but it's so incumbent on managers to take stock, recognise when they're impacted and, and prioritise themselves as well. And, and because that's a leadership role, right? And that's also role modelling good behaviour. Indeed. I mean, your resource does talk about how burnout spreads. There's a ripple effect to it within the ranks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I would say that, you know, if somebody's exhausted, they're less able to do their work, right? So it means that somebody else has to pick up some of that workload. If it's a manager who's exhausted, it means that potentially, Jonathan talks about this, you know, that people become more irritable. It's not just that it spreads in terms of the workload and the lack of efficiency or the kind of inc increase in inefficiency or the kind of, you know, presenteeism, it's actually that it, it impacts people's physical ability to do their work and their kind of psychological ability to do the work. And then it spreads beyond that newsroom to those audiences because we cannot serve our audiences well if we are not well enough to do our journalism. Yeah. There was a comment from Jonathan that we've got in the, in the report where he says those kind of those shouty forms of leadership that existed uh, kind of in the past. If you think of like Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, he was effective. But, you know, in football teams, you know, um, that doesn't work anymore. 
And, you know, he says you can't just be in one mode. You know, people don't respond well to that. It was really interesting. He said, I think as a leader, you have to change, you have to adapt and recognize that there are different people coming into newsrooms with different needs and different sensibilities. And there's a generational thing then going on as well. I think, you know, Hannah and I have spoken about this as well. When we've spoken to younger cohorts, there's an expectation here that, you know, maybe they've come from college and university, but they've had that framework and they've had that support. And then suddenly they come into a newsroom and it's like, there's no help. There's no help for them anywhere. That's been a big takeaway from us to acknowledge as well, that how can those leaders who are perhaps, you know, like Hannah and I, slightly longer in the tooth, they've got to adapt to societal changes as well that's happening outside. Okay, let's recap. Burnout means different things to different people. I personally think of a car engine that won't start because the tank has run empty, but to you it might be a fraying rope in a tug of war. However you picture it, burnout is that feeling of being exhausted, overwhelmed and unmotivated. All of us can experience this, and it can come from a variety of stresses in our lives. A demanding news event? For instance, we're currently witnessing terrible conflict in Israel right now, when our personal and professional lives bleed too much into each other. I think many of us felt this during the pandemic. But it can also be when we aren't seeing our work have the impact that we would like it to have. This is especially the case for people from marginalised groups pushing for better standards of reporting. Many leave the industry when this load is too heavy to bear. For more on that, check out my last episode with Luba Kosova about creating gender-equitable newsrooms. Employees have a duty of care to make sure reporters are not getting burned out and to put in place the right support structures to help. We'll next talk about boundaries as the key countermeasure to burnout. Boundaries are whatever we want or need them to be. A book for the tube home, a music playlist, a daily run, whatever stops your tank from running empty or your rope from getting frayed. Because of all the work I've done for Headlines Network and all the work I've done in journalism safety, I've become much more aware of my own reactions and how I how I react to higher levels of stress. And so it's almost like I'm kind of aware earlier on. So I think that it's, you know, and we've done some historic work with Dr. Sean Williams. She's a really big kind of advocate of this idea of kind of recognising and becoming aware of your, your responses. So for me, burnout is often like I get a bit, grumpy and I get a bit irritable and I literally back to that rope I feel like I'm being pulled from each side so I have to now become really I do a couple of things one is I ensure that I put my physical health first as well so because I think that physical and mental health are two sides of the same coin so I make sure I get outdoors and I'm a really big fan of, of running and cycling so I do that but I also kind of say and I recognize the privilege of saying this because of, of my age and the, the kind of number of years in the industry I say no a lot more I actually really make sure I say no and before I say no I actually think about what's the worst that's going to happen if I say no and generally it's actually the response to saying no people respect you a lot of the time perhaps even more when you say actually no I can't do that right now but I can do this by this date and so they're like oh okay well, that's fine. So, so I think saying no and getting getting kind of um, physical exercise are my two kind of big things. Yeah. If you could go back, would you say no a lot more earlier in your career? Hell yes. I mean, yeah, definitely. I would absolutely say no. But again, recognizing that's a really tricky thing to say. If you're a 23 year old, 24 year old, you know, starting out, out in your career or whatever age you are, there's an expectation 
There's an expectation of certain types of behaviours. And it's incumbent on us, I think, now as kind of slightly older generation to, to recognise that people have the right to say no. They really do have the right to say no. And that we shouldn't condition people to, to behave in certain ways because it's the way it's always been done in inverted commas. Mm. So how would you advise someone else in their early 20s to set that boundary and, and say no if it's not that easy? There was a really fantastic person, one of our very first training courses John do you remember the person I'm speaking about and and, and this person was very much like okay I have this expectation that my mental health is going to be supported and my physical health is going to be supported because actually in doing so the newsroom is going to help me be well and do my best journalism and that person made sure that they had a, a relationship with their line manager where they connected um on a kind of frequent basis I would say that you know we're not saying say no to everything because we have to do our job as journalists. Yeah, there are degrees of things that we, we deal with in journalism, which are outside the norm. So we have to be kind of resilient and, uh, and aware of the fact that there are stresses and traumas. But I think that, you know, it's also really important to have our boundaries. What are the things that we are not prepared to budge on? What are the things that we, you know, where we really say, actually, you know, it for me, I think it's going to be better if I do this then. So I'm going to say no now and have those people you can trust and have those relationships um, within your kind of work cohort, people who you, you can trust and rely on and try to have those conversations with the managers as well about what is going to be working for you. But I would also say, just to finish, it's a two way street, right? As a line manager or a manager or a news leader of somebody, you need to be very, very conscious that that person has that right to say no and you need to support them to kind of create that space for them where they feel safe to do so. Mm. Brilliant. What about you, John? When does burnout tend to rear its head and what do you do about it? So my relationship with burnout was that I didn't realise I was burnout when when it was happening to me, but I think it was a realisation afterwards. Um, I was running a newsroom and it was so high pressure and I was doing all those things that, that I recommend that you shouldn't do now. Touch the phone, uh, over-eating, over-drinking, and I left the role kind of rather suddenly. And suddenly, you know, you had people depending on you coming to you with lots of different things. Uh, it could be mental health, it could be more money, it could be uh, disagreements that they have with, with co-workers. And, you know, clearly they weren't happy with, you know, what management was doing. It was a really tough environment. Uh, and then I left and then suddenly, you know, of course, I didn't have those people knocking on my door so to speak so it felt like a huge vacuum and uh it, it just felt like there was a huge weight on me that i had nothing to do uh because I'd, I'd i'd left the role and i really felt that i'd um let the people who i'd been running the news and with down i felt that i'd let myself down and i think with again with journalism and with burnout and and the pressures on it i think you know a job is very much part of your identity, that role. You know, we all say we're journalists and we're proud of it. We're holding people, power and institutions to account. And then suddenly I wasn't doing that for a while. And it really, really affected me. And uh, I, I was knackered because I, I was getting up in the middle of the night, looking at, you know, phones, worrying about all manner of, of different things. And I couldn't kind of zone out. I couldn't tune out because it felt all consuming. We did a podcast last year uh, called Behind the Headlines. And there was something that um, Mark Little, the founder of Storyful, said that, that, that stuck with me, that he says mental health or burnout, it's atmospheric. It can come and go. You, you can have good 
days when you're feeling mentally well and bad days when when you're not but it's not it's not like a switch it's not on or off and that's an important thing i think to to remember with burnout that it can be there just lingering away it can kind of rear its head it's not like i've suddenly got it and then i suddenly don't have it because i've inverted commas healed myself it's something that that stays with me i know mine talks a lot about the black dog that follows you around when when um you know mental health can sometimes play up and when it doesn't i'm just wondering what are you doing personally to just stay attuned to that and be and pay attention to your you know levels of bandwidth mental health so i practice mindfulness when i can uh so that's important just to kind of stay kind of present um you know i appreciate those moments in 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 life when you have to yourself and you should you know you're going to talk hopefully with hannah in a second about something that she does with her calendar um i, I do football you know football you know it's kind of rather ridiculous kind of chasing a spherical object around with other middle-aged men and you know you forget everything you forget about work you forget about money worries you forget about affairs of the heart and just kind of doing those things as hannah was saying either getting out into nature something active and just intentionally doing something yeah and we're very conscious when we speak to journalists like you must do this you know journalists we're, we're cynical people and it, it seems like we're telling them to suck eggs but i think journalists do get sucked into that into these kind of bad habits and you need to break that habit bad habit by being intentional so um yeah there's a number of things that that i practice and yeah it's i take temperature checks each day and you know that's how i get through it but it, it's not something i'm not suddenly cured of it no still there lingering on in, in in the background as you said uh you know the black dog that kind of follows you around it does follow you around and some days you've just got to accept that you, there's nothing you can do about it um but there are ways to mitigate against it and this is what the videos and the results do you know we define what burnout is but we also give solutions to individuals and also to to managers or leaders or people who are line managers about what they can do yeah. to 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 make things better 100% and it's important to have that release isn't it to have that valve that you can turn on and off and take your mind somewhere else uh, Hannah John's clearly talking there about your meetings with Hannah why don't you finish up and tell us a little bit about that a uh, little exercise that you do to help um, with your mental health. I was explaining this to somebody the other day who's not in journalism and they were like, that's it, I'm going to borrow meetings with Hannah. What do you do in these meetings? So here's the thing, I block out a certain period of time, ideally once a week, sometimes more than once a week. If it's once a week, it's like a couple of hours to have a meeting with Hannah. And that meeting with Hannah can be, I need to action the action points because, you know, we've got meetings, so many meetings at the moment. You, we go, we have never any space between these meetings. We have so many delegated actions that we never get time to do them. So sometimes I do those. Sometimes I just step outside into the garden and just kind of just hang out. Sometimes I go for a walk, but I, it's my space. It's my protected Hannah space. So meetings with, with Hannah is super duper important. But I would just say one final thing, you know, this book that I've referenced, that I've just written, I interviewed an amazing emergency psychological specialist, basically a Mexican lady called Anna Zelhuber, who does some brilliant work with frontline responders and journalists in Mexico, which is one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a journalist. And she gave us some great advice in Perugia at the journalism festival there. And she basically is like, find time for joy. So I say to people, find something that makes your heart sing right? It, it can only, even if it's only two minutes a day, we have a kitchen disco at home. So like once a week on a Friday, we have a kitchen disco where we turn on really 
cheesy music and we dance around our kitchen to me and my two children um, my husband doesn't partake but we do this right and that brings us huge amounts of joy and that is literally three minutes worth of a song so meeting with Hannah or meeting with whatever your name is and finding time to do something that makes your heart sing I love that I love that so much right quick fire question just to finish up the episode one tip in the set of resources that really stuck with you something you didn't think of of, of previously I'll start with you John oh gosh um I'll go back to, to, to Jonathan's thing, actually, the, the thing that you said about um, getting rid of the car and, yeah, taking that, that public transport. Um, I, I live in southwest London, uh, and sorry to get all local on you, my, my parents live in Shepherd's Bush, which is north of the river, and Hammersmith Bridge is closed, which absolutely sends me spare when I'm going over to see them. And I keep on reminding myself, uh, why don't I just take the train and read a book? And it's better for the environment. So that would be my tip. You know, just, you know, put down the things, you know, like the car that, that you don't need and, you know, look up at the sky, look up at the birds on the train. Zone out like that. Yeah. I, I think that one is just about avoiding an unnecessary stressor, yeah. avoiding a micro tension that you could, that would otherwise be another force on that tug of war that you were talking about, Hannah, whatever analogy you like to use, whether that's removing a spoon or, depleting a bit more of your you know petrol tank whatever it is that's you know something that you can remove from the equation um absolutely hannah what about you one tip that's come through the resources that's really chimed with you and something that you might potentially practice yourself it's something john's heard me say many many times so i don't think it's necessarily new but i think it's really important it's that idea that you hear on planes of putting on your own oxygen mask to anybody else I promise you can't be of any help to anybody else unless you actually look after yourself. Um, otherwise, you'll run ragged. So prioritising yourself, and I would say that's an even more vital reminder for managers to do that too. So recognising that you need to put your oxygen mask on first. Wonderful. Well, listen, this has been an, an enormous pleasure to have you both on the podcast. Thank you so much for giving up your time on your lunch break of all times uh, to do this with me. So um Thanks so much and uh, well done on the brilliant resources you've created. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you so much for supporting this as such a great ally in this space. There's a lot to take from today's conversation. First of all, it's worth saying employers have a duty of care to support staff members who feel burnt out. And this is a phenomenon that can affect everyone. Burnt out news leaders are contagious. If they don't look after themselves, chances are exhaustion, irritability and lack of productivity will spread in the ranks. On an individual level, find your own release valve. Any simple pleasure or distraction will do the job. If you can substitute a stressor for some me time, like taking the tube instead of driving, that's a bonus. I should also say there are tons of more advice, further resources and side posting to support in the Headlines Network resource. Head to headlinesnetwork.com to check that out. But what did you take from today? Find me on Twitter slash X at JPG Journalism or email me on jacob at journalism.co.uk. Check out all of our other podcast episodes on all your usual podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search and subscribe to the journalism.co.uk podcast. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.